Good morning. Um, yeah, my name is Mark Snyder. Um, I lead the young adult ministry here at the church, and uh, it, and uh, yeah, it's been really good recently. Um, really, the last two months we've seen a lot of growth, and uh, really because my brother's been back. But what I really, what I really, what I uh, so if there's a young adult in here, if you're 18 to 30, we'd love to have you come out on Thursday night, meet every Thursday night here in the youth room. So uh, we'd love to have you. Um, you guys like jokes? I have a joke. All right. <clears throat> a circuit riding preacher trained his horse to go when he said, Praise the Lord, and to stop when he said, Amen. The preacher mounted the horse and said, Praise the Lord, and went for a ride in the nearby mountains. When he wanted to stop for lunch by a mountain stream, he said, Amen. He took off again, saying, Praise the Lord. The horse started heading toward the edge of a cliff on a narrow mountain trail. The preacher got excited and said, Whoa. Then he remembered and said, Amen, and the horse stopped just short of the edge. The preacher was so relieved, he looked up to heaven and said, Praise the Lord. <laughs> I thought that was funny. All right. So, in your bulletin, it says that today I'm talking about life in the Spirit, but uh, I'm not anymore. That... <laughs> <clears throat> that changed on Friday. I was, uh, I don't know, it just, I had a lot of good stuff down. It was good notes or whatever, but it just didn't feel right uh, leading up to this. So today I'm going to talk about <clears throat> something very simple, but very profound, and it's the goodness of God. And, uh, and I'm preaching to myself today because I feel like this is something that um, God is teaching me. Uh, like, I, how many of you would agree that God is good? right? I think we all do. Um, but you don't have to raise your hand for this one. But how many of us, because I know for me, I, I say that, yes, God is good, but I have things in my life that don't actually, I don't actually think he's good. If I think he's good, why, why am I depressed? If I think he's good, why do I have anxiety? <clears throat> so um, so there's, there's a difference between um, agreeing with something and believing in something. Um, Agreeing with something is the acknowledgement of a fact. So in this case, it would be like, yes, I believe from the scriptures that God is good. But, um, but believing takes, act, takes faith to act on that fact. So for example, agreeance would say, that's an airplane, that, or that airplane can fly. But believing would actually be getting in the airplane and actually flying in it, having faith. <clears throat> So knowledge without understanding is a zero. Um, like with the Pharisees, <clears throat> they, had a, they knew the word, frontward, backward. I think they actually had to memorize it. But when the word made flesh, walked right in front of them, they missed him because they had knowledge, but they had no understanding. Um, so like I said, um, I'm preaching to myself today. I feel like this is something God has been teaching me or is teaching me. Um, and I feel like I'm starting to understand it, but I know that there's so much, there's so much more to it. <clears throat> so I have five points on God's goodness, and I'm going to talk about each one of those. So number one, <clears throat> everything about God is good. Everything about God is good. First John 1 John 1.5, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. And this word darkness 
is actually the word uh, can be used for obscurity or being difficult to understand. So God doesn't have a hidden mean streak. He doesn't have a hidden bad side. He doesn't have any character flaws. God always stays the same. Like we don't, we're not going to wake up one day and say, who is this God in my life? He, he always stays the same. He won't change. He's not irritable. And he won't be in a bad mood. James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to shifting. So that's how many of us grew up. Um, we, we change. Like, like uh, the eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You treat me this way, I respond this way. But Jesus came and introduced a new way of living. And if you actually, like, it's amazing to me. He never changed, like, God never changes based on how he's treated. You see, G- uh, when Jesus is actually carrying his cross, he actually falls down. And, uh, and these women are weeping for him. And he says, don't weep for me. He says, weep for yourselves. So in that moment, he, was, he didn't even have a conscious thought of himself. He was thinking about others. And then when he's on the cross... He says, Father, forgive them. They, do, they know not what they're doing. So it's, it's always us. It's always for us. God is always good. Psalm 119.68, you are good and what you do is good. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. And even, even when bad things are happening to us, uh, God is still good. More than that, he's always good toward us. He's working all things together for our good. So did you know that God is actually strategizing for your good? He actually have, has plans. He's, I know the plans I have for you, plans of hope and a future, hope, goodness, peace. He, he's strategizing for your good. Everything God does is good. In Genesis, when it says that he made everything, God looked and saw everything he made was very good. So it's really simple. God is good, devil is bad, Right? And it's so simple, but it's amazing how much we get it twisted because, um, because we've been taught in our theology to base God's goodness based on things that have happened in our life or uh, that when bad things happen, they're God. Like even insurance companies have this thing called a God clause. So when there's a fire, an earthquake, a tornado, it's an act of God, right? So God is good, devil is bad. God is in a good mood, devil's in a bad mood. God does good things, devil does bad things. <clears throat> I think sometimes we overplay the, uh, the sovereignty of God because, uh, and then we make it so everything that happens is God. But the reality is a thief doesn't need authority to steal something, right? John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life. Jesus came to give life, devil comes to bring death. <clears throat> and the Son of God was manifested for this purpose, to destroy the works of the evil one. <clears throat> so Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one, not the works of his father. So nothing bad comes from God. They're good, bad. Like I said, it's very simple. Um, Jesus destroyed these, destroyed these works to bring freedom, peace, and joy, not religion, legalism, and duty. Um, Psalm 2 talks about the one who is in heaven laughs. And the context of this verse is actually, he's looking at the schemes of the enemies on his earth, on the earth, and, he's, and he laughs at it. So God isn't freaked out 
by what the, the enemy is doing. He's not in a crisis. Oh, God, what do we do? You know, like, he, he's all right. He's all right. And in Romans 8, 28, we know that all things, very popular verses, we know all things work together for, if it was popular, I could remember it. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Point number two, God is in a good mood. A lot of people will give you the fact like, okay, God's good, but he's not, he's not really always in a good mood. But I think our Father is happy. Like what, uh, what Bill was sharing, when we worship, our Father smiles. So Zephaniah 317, uh, he will exalt over you with joy. He will renew you in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. And this word for rejoice means to spin around under the influence of a violent emotion. So God's love is violent toward us. It has that kind of connotation. It's, it's powerful. It's violent. He's not like many of the fathers we've had on earth uh, who are grumpy when they come home for work, absent or abusive. Our father is happy. And the more than that, Jesus is happy. Luke 10, 21, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. And this word uh, in other translations is rejoice greatly. And it means literally jumping for joy. Um, you guys know all those Jesus movies where Jesus is always sad? Like, and I haven't seen a Jesus movie where he's happy. Like, every, seriously, every single time, he's always sad. Be healed. You know? But I'd like to see one where he's happy. That'd be good. So Hebrews tells us that he is anointed with joy above his brethren. In John 17, he prays that his joy would be in us. Um, Jesus, Jesus is happy. He, who would want to be around someone in a bad mood? So why do we think that the world doesn't want to be hanging out with God? It's time that the world sees a church that truly reflects a good God in a good mood. Peter, people are waiting for the demonstration of a good God. Sinners love Jesus. They loved being around him. And then the Holy Spirit's happy. Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy, and in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So the Holy Spirit is the representative of God's presence. So when we say, in your presence, we're really saying, in the Holy Spirit's presence. So when we say, God, we want, we want more of your presence, really what we're saying is, Holy Spirit, we want more of you. So in the Holy Spirit, there's fullness of joy. And this word, um, um, in your presence, is actually this, the word for presence is actually the same word for face. So in God's face, there's fullness of joy. Not, not sadness or depression. And then it says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. In the Holy Spirit. If you look at the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, Holy Spirit is happy. And then John 14, 16, this is Jesus speaking right before he's crucified. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Forever. Um, I used to think that um, the Holy Spirit was a spirit of ministry. So anytime, the Holy Spirit was only interested in me whenever I wanted to do something with him, whenever I wanted to pray for a sick person or prophesy or something. I thought that that that's just when God was interested in me. But actually in the Old Covenant, that's how the Holy Spirit operated. He came upon people for an assignment, for a task, 
But in the new covenant, he actually indwells forever. He's never going to leave. So have you ever noticed that the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you when you're doing something unimportant or unspiritual? It must mean he likes you, right? Like he's staying. He's not going anywhere. Jesus said, I'll not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So the spirit, the, um, the spirit of God in us testifies that we are God's children. God is good and is always in a good mood. And he doesn't even discipline us in a bad mood. Like Hebrews talks about we have earthly fathers who discipline us for their, for their embedment. But our father actually disciplines us for our good that we, should, uh, that we would share in his holiness. So there's no self-seeking in God. He doesn't have a hidden agenda. Um, last Thursday night in our uh, young adult group, we were in worship, and um, I was just asking God, I was like, is there anything you want to say tonight and you know, share? And I felt, that, um, I felt that he said, tell them I love them. And I said, God, that's, that's too simple. And he said, no, it's not simple enough. And so that's the, that's the thing. There's no hidden agenda. It's, it's just simple, right? He loves us. I think sometimes we try and complicate that. So God's good mood isn't affected by our circumstances or by what we do. Bad things happen, and when we're overwhelmed, God isn't overwhelmed. With all things happening in the world, God isn't in a crisis. God is always in a good mood. Number three, God is in a good mood toward us. So God demonstrates his goodness in specific ways. Uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Um, So he didn't just say, I love you. He demonstrated that he loved us. So when we say we love somebody, our proof isn't actually what we do for that person. God's goodness leads us to repentance. We want to follow him because he's been good to us. And it seems that some people read that John 3.16 as, for God so hates the world, or God so frustrated with the world that he sent his son to condemn the world. But in reality, the Son of Man did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So think about that. When you're heading in an opposite direction, hated God, wanted nothing to do with him, he still pursued you. I remember being 15 years old and... Uh, really just super insecure, just a lot of, a lot of things, I don't know, um, just really lost. And I remember when people any time would share the gospel with me, I wanted nothing to do with it, very hard-hearted, all that stuff, I was, and uh, all that stuff, and, um, and then when I was 15, he, he found me. I didn't want God, I wasn't looking for God, but it was just like, he, I don't know how to explain it, it was just mercy. And he just opened the eyes of my heart, and I saw, whoa, God's real. And so it kind of, it's kind of been a process from there. So when I hated God, he still loved me. It didn't change him. Nothing we could do could deter his goodness from coming toward us. David says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. God's goodness is chasing us. Number four. God wants us to experience his good mood. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see. That speaks of experience. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
If you want to turn to Psalm 126, we're just going to look at verses 1 through 3. And this is when the children of Israel are coming uh, uh, back from exile from Babylon. And I think this just speaks of it. This is, what, this is their response after experiencing the goodness of God um, leading them back home. It says, When the Lord brought us back, his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter, and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. So when our joy is overflowing, the world will recognize it, right? And said, yes, the Lord has done amazing things for them. What joy. So we're continually invited to taste and to see. And the more we, see, more we taste and see, the more we want. And then number five, God wants to release his good mood through you. Matthew 10, 7, and 8, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So God wants us to have an encounter so we can be an encounter for someone else's encounter. And what are we encountering and what are we giving? His goodness, his kindness, his mercy. So we are made to be carriers of his goodness. Um, Romans 2, 4. For don't, uh, or do you show the contempt for the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? And I think a great example of this is the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. Uh, Jesus comes into town. Zacchaeus is a short guy. So he climbs into a tree to get a look at this Jesus because all the crowds are surrounding him. He gets up there, and Zacchaeus is a tax collector, so he's kind of sneered upon by his, uh, by his peers and his community. And, uh, and then Jesus points up to him in the tree. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm staying at your place tonight. And, so, uh, and then he comes down, and he says, and he didn't even ask for any of this stuff, but he's like, Jesus, if I've treated anybody wrong, I'll give him back all this stuff. And I'll, he's pretty much repenting. And Jesus says, surely salvation has come to this house. So the goodness of God led Zacchaeus to repentance. So those are my five points. And then uh, I want to talk about uh, how to grow in the goodness of God. How to grow in the goodness of God. And this comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If you want to, if you want to turn there, we're just going to look at each verse. Verse 1. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So to me, this speaks, when he talks about setting your heart, this speaks of like worship and prayer, setting my heart on things above. So when he, in this verse, when he's talking about since you've been raised with Christ, uh, he's talking about because of our union with Christ, we've partaken in his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, Ephesians 2.6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. First John says, as he is, so are we in this world. Not as he was, as he is, because we've been joined in one spirit with him. So that's a, that's a reality right now. But, but because of this reality, we're encouraged to set our hearts on things above. So what are the things above? His goodness, his kindness, his mercy. Um, 
And this word, and this word seek implies a sense of worship. Recently, what I've been doing, I've just found like, if I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is worship, and then when I go to bed tonight, go to bed at night and the first thing I do is worship, it sets my heart toward him. So as I go to bed and I wake up, it's, it's living in his presence. And, and Paul encourages us to pray without ceasing. So there's a place in God where we walk with him and are in constant communion with him, setting my heart on things above. So prayer isn't so much as words as is communion of the spirit. Words just communicate what's happening within the heart. So setting my heart on things above through worship and prayer and just thankfulness. And then verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So we aren't only encouraged to set our hearts on things above, but our minds as well. So what does this mean? Uh, I believe it's talking about the kingdom of God, who God is, his character, anything good, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Set your mind on things. And, and Paul actually gives us a list of eight things in Philippians 4. Eight things that we're to think about, set our minds on. He says, things that are true, honorable, things that are right, pure, lovely, of good report, things of excellence, and praiseworthy things. So if we're going to grow in the goodness of God, we need to set our mind on good things. Romans 12 talks about the renewing of your mind, filling your mind with good things, uh, fixing thought patterns that maybe have you in cycles. And then there, uh, several years ago, there was actually a study done that talked about the effect of negative, negative news on the mind. And it says, it says and uh, they had two groups to watch, one to watch negative news in the morning and the other to watch positive or uplifting news. And it says individuals who watched just three minutes of negative news in the morning had a whopping 27% greater likelihood of reporting their day as unhappy six to eight hours later compared to that of the positive condition. Three minutes. And again, I'm preaching to myself today because, uh, yeah, I'm not very good at that. But three, yeah, just setting our mind on things above, constantly being aware of those things. And then in verse three, it says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, so remain in him, stay in him. Let him love you. Don't remove yourself from him. Stay in him. Let, let him hide you in the shadow of his wings. And I'll talk a little bit about that more later. And then verse 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. So trust him. Trust him. Trust in his work on your behalf and trust that he did it for you. Trust that he loves you and has good plans for you. So I set my heart on things above. I set my mind on things above. And then I, I remain in him, and I trust him. And then lastly, I just kind of have like, I want to share some, some of the experiences of God's own goodness in my life. Um, I shared about when I was 15, and the Lord revealed himself to me. Um, and then, so from that point, I had a conviction of sin. I was pursuing God, and I just continually growed uh, in the word and stuff like that growing to love him more, but I still had this constant shame, 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 shame all the time, because now I had a conviction of sin, but I didn't, I didn't understand righteousness, I didn't understand any of that, so I was just constantly living in shame, and, um, and I was going to youth group here when I was 17, and uh, we went to a conference, 
in Columbus, and it was uh, the leader of the conference was Tom Crandall, and he's the he's the youth pastor at Bethel Church, the place that I went to after I graduated, and uh, and a team of second year students. And by this point, I'd heard of Bethel. I was like, I think I want to go there. So we went to this conference, and uh, I got there, and I met this guy named Ty. He was a second year student, and we were just talking about Ohio State football or whatever. And then uh, and then I went up forward for worship, and. Uh, and one of the things I was experiencing shame in is uh, I felt that, you know, I had this thing in my heart for God. I, I love God, but I wasn't sharing it with my friends. And I just felt a lot of con- condemnation and shame for that because I didn't feel like I was bold enough. And so at this conference, I went up forward for prayer. And, uh, and Ty came behind me and he laid his hands on me. And he said, Mark, I feel like God's saying you're a warrior and you're bold and he's called you to minister to your friends. And I just broke down weeping and crying, and I thanked him. And really, that weekend was a turning point for me and seeing the goodness of God. And I wish I could say it got all better from there, but it didn't. And then fast forward, I'm 19 now, and I go to this school in California, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And um, I'm there, and uh, we have retreat in first year. And I went, and... um, I remember before I left, I remember, I don't know why, it's just one of those things you remember. I had this conscious thought, if God, if I heard God ever said that he's proud of me, I think I'd lose it. And so, uh, so I went to this, uh, went, I was on retreat, and again, I was there, I was a first year student, and there were second year students and pastors and all this stuff. And uh, again, I was up forward for worship, and I didn't see who prayed for me, I had my eyes closed, but um, two second year students came and started praying for me on either side and then they said uh god's really proud of you and then i was just like okay you know and then but he said no god's really really proud of you and then i broke down and i cried for about 45 minutes i just you know puffy eyes and everything but those are just two examples of god's goodness in my life so i i just encourage us seek god in secret and he'll reward you in the open you know, in Matthew 6, it's, did you know the secret place is actually God's idea? Secret place is God's idea. He, he's, he's the one that wants to be alone with you. He's the one that wants to seek you in secret, and you seek him in return. And I think sometimes we talk, talk ourselves out of the goodness of God because we think he can't really be that good. I used to do that all the time in first year. Like, he can't really be that good. Like, why have I not heard this before? Why, you know, all these things. But it's true. In Psalm 63, he says, your love is better than life. Your love is better than life. So if you can dream of a God better than the one you know, you might not know him well enough. Say that again. If you can dream of a God better than the God you know, then you might not know him well enough. Ephesians 3.20 said he's, he's the God of exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask, think, or imagine. So if you can think of a God better than the one you know, then you might not know him well enough. And I'm, again, I am preaching to myself today. In a couple of verses earlier in that chapter 3, he actually says, Paul says it actually takes power. It actually takes dunamis to know the love of Christ. Yeah, that's amazing. 
um, Graham Cook actually says that the gospel hinges on fairy tale, and it does. It's, it's such good news. Sometimes we want to dismiss it as it's too good to be true, but it, in reality, it's, just, it's the best news ever. It's, yeah, it's amazing. And, but here's the thing. If your heart longs for it, then it must exist. C.S. Lewis said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that, is that we were made for another world. So, so here's my challenge. Stay. Stay. This is my challenge. Stay. Remain in him, even when love feels uncomfortable or too good to be true. Sometimes we, we don't love ourselves enough. We feel shame. We feel condemnation. So when God's love comes, we instantly want to step away and say, no, we don't want that. But let him, let him love you. Let him take all those misconceptions out of your mind about who you are. Let him love you. Stay. Jesus commands us to, commanded us to remain in his love. Stay. Jude tells us to keep ourselves in the love of God. Stay. So to end, I just uh, I want to read this poem really quick. And we'll stand and pray together. This is a poem by Francis Ridley Havergal. And I found it on Google yesterday. So, uh, and it's written in the 1800s, so he's got some like thousand these. But he said, I could not do without thee, O Savior of the lost, whose precious blood redeemed me at such tremendous cost. Thy righteousness, thy pardon, thy precious blood must be my only hope and comfort, my glory and my plea. I could not do without thee. I cannot stand alone. I have no strength or goodness, no wisdom of my own. But thou, beloved Savior, art all in all to me, and, and weakness will be power if leaning hard on thee. I could not do without thee, for oh, the way is long, and I am often weary, and sigh replaces song. How could I do without thee? How do I know the way? Thou knowest, and thou leadest, and thou wilt not lead me stray. I cannot do without thee, O Jesus, Savior dear. Even when my eyes are holden, I know that thou art near. How dreary and how lonely this changeful life would be without the sweet communion, the secret rest with thee. I could not do without thee. No other friend can read the spirit's strange deep longings, interpreting its need. No human heart could enter each dim recess of mine and soothe and hush and calm it, O blessed Lord, but thine. I could not do without thee for years are fleeting fast, and soon in solemn oneness the river must have passed. But thou wilt never leave me, and though the waves roll high, I know thou wilt be near and whisper, it is I. So if you guys want to stand, let's pray together. So, Father, I just thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God, that you are truly good. You are truly good. It's much more than just a saying. Much more than, I think, we have in our knowledge. But, God, I pray for everyone here for understanding of your goodness. God, reality of your goodness. God, that your goodness is chasing us, that your goodness is wooing us. 
that you love us unconditionally, that you're not irritable, you're not resentful. God, you actually have good things for us and toward us. So God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for everything you're doing. And God, I pray that this church would be one that recognizes the goodness of God and that when people see members of this church or people in this community, that they will say there must be a good God. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. I, uh, yeah, just bless the spirit of wisdom and revelation upon this church and the goodness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Cool. I guess that's it. You're dismissed. So.